podcast is presented by Torn Curtain Collective. Hi everyone, it's Jeff and Arnie here again, and we're here just to talk about worship this time. Powerful worship, worship that can change things and make a difference. And Anya, you've got some things you like to say about worship, haven't you? Well, it might be a little bit arrogant of me, but you know that I don't look to a lot of people to necessarily lead me, but if I'm going to be led, I would love to be led by worshippers. I'm always looking for people who can lead me into the presence of God. Yeah, that's great. One of the awesome things about worship is it's it's an opportunity to acknowledge God and we see the power of just really stepping into his presence and and what we find is when we worship when we acknowledge him the confusion fades the darkness shifts and we can think clearly we can make reasonable decisions and life starts to make sense again it reminds me of a time when I was in a we were in a prayer room in on the island of Cyprus actually it was a, just a space that was dedicated to prayer and to worship and we were all just worshiping God you know you could just sense the you know the presence of God just in that space you know and in the midst of that time it was quite unexpected but I just had this vision um, that came into my heart and mind I guess I had never had anything like that before I've actually written about it in my book but it was like a revelation of how God saw me it was quite intimate actually in an atmosphere of worship we get to sort of see things that we might not otherwise see a bit like David you know he entered the sanctuary and he gained a new perspective I mean that was kind of my experience too that vision I got in the prayer room in Cyprus will always frame my life you know the way I see myself and the way I see God because it was you know obviously a revelation of God you know for me in that moment. But Jeff we're here today to talk about worship as warfare how do you think of that? One way to to think about worship is just you, you come into church and the, the the worship team are up there the, the band's playing and and they begin with upbeat praise songs we're celebrating who we are and whose we are and after a while they just shift gears and we step in more into God's presence. We are more reflective and there's a sense of the sacred that just comes and it's as if we're doing a whole other thing. I guess what I'm really saying is why don't we think of a different definition of worship instead of just thinking about acknowledging God, what if we talk about worship in a different way as just being all the things that we do beyond the veil. Yeah, and we like to talk about this, don't we? I think that's why we've called our ministry Torn Curtain Collective. It's always coming back to the fact that because Jesus died and in the moment that he died, he made way for us to actually come right into the heavenlies, into his presence and to begin to function quite naturally in another realm, really. Yeah, that's right. I guess that the place where we see this most clearly is Jesus is having a chat to the woman at the well. The conversation is, is really, it's quite deep. And, and she's going here and saying, oh, you know, should we worship at Mount Jerusalem or, or maybe Mount Gerizim? And which which one is it? I, I want to know. Yeah, and then Jesus kind of says, neither one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's talking about two places and so is Jesus. He's saying not that place, not the other place either. But there's another place entirely. That third place is called in the spirit. When we praise, we raise a song in the context of what's going on thankfulness in our heart might escalate into praise when something wonderful happens. And we could also be going through some rough times and offer up a sacrifice of praise in spite of everything. However, worship is another level again. We leave our circumstances behind to embrace a place and a person. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Father and his house. We step into the sanctuary. It's so much more important to encounter God on his own terms than to think another minute about the circumstances of life. 
We just leave it behind. We step into something so much greater and grander than anything in our everyday lives. We're just swept away. That encounter can change you or it can change something else or it can change everything. So what you're essentially saying, Jeff, is that we want to encounter God on his own terms and on his own turf, yeah? Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. So can you share an example of that perhaps in your experience? Yeah, there's a great story that illustrates this. We were living in Turkey. We hadn't been in church for about two years and we were so looking forward to going to a different city. The the kids were going to a camp and uh, there was an international church where we were going and uh, we were looking forward to it so much. I guess we were a little bit dry and I was particularly looking forward to it just hanging out for, you know, an encounter with God. And uh, it really happened on, on, on a Tuesday night. The, um, most of the folks at the church were away running the, the camp. There was hardly anyone there on the Sunday. But I got invited around to go to a prayer meeting on the Tuesday night. Yeah, we were there and God just showed up and it was just amazing. And, and he was just so tangibly in the room. And it was just one of those moments. It's unforgettable even now. Yeah, it was amazing. We just soaked up the presence of God. We just enjoyed him. You know, it was crazy. There were just a few of us we'd, we'd never met before that week. Yet God was just there and it was an amazing worship encounter. You know, we're living in a spiritually tough environment. Life was beyond full and there was a problem with our house back home in Australia on the other side of the world that sort of never let up. In that encounter with God, hope was birthed in my heart again. You know, we, we were just about on the verge of going, okay, maybe we can't do this anymore. Maybe we need to go back home to Australia or something like that. And um, we got we were back maybe for about a week. And I just felt like, okay, I need to put everything aside. Instead of just jumping back into life, I just need to put everything aside. And I just need to go into to prayer. I need to spend time with God. I need to actually press in and, and, and nearly put all of these issues aside and really encounter God again in a way that's going to lay a foundation for the time to come and it was amazing that within it was it was kind of a week of prayer and fasting and really waiting on God and just just pressing into him and on 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 sort of day seven I just knew it had shifted and then we were just waiting for our miracle and sure enough maybe two and a half weeks later the phone rang and we, we just got our miracle on the other end of the line was this benevolent bank manager and he just sorted everything out so that the house back home in Australia just wasn't an issue anymore. It was an amazing transformation that just freed us up to start thinking about what we were there for again and we could go forward without that pressure. But I've also found that for me, worship can also be kind of a defiant act in the face of problems and troubles. I remember the first year we came back to New Zealand, we were we were pretty much holding on in faith for a particular job, despite every indication that it was ours and, and that it was sort of a done deal. Actually, the whole process of getting that job just kept getting pushed out. You know, it was a few weeks turned into months and then it went over Christmas. And before we knew it, we were into, you know, seven or eight months of waiting for, for this process. And we were kind of holding on with a lot of promises and a lot of faith. But to be honest, it was it was kind of stretching us in every possible way, wasn't it? And um you know, I guess that raised the questions, you know, when you feel completely wrung out by what's going on and instead of seeing breakthrough where you're expecting it, actually everything seems to go in the opposite direction and you're going, actually, where is God in all of this? And, you know, your mind is full of doubts and then there's dead ends and actually this isn't the amazing you know, breakthrough you were hoping for, I guess I I got to that point where I was like, okay, you know, I can crumble or I can get defiant. And um, 
And I think what we learn is, you know, when the devil wants you to crumble or give in or wonder if God is even in the mix and if he even cares, it's a good time. You know, one of the best ways to thumb our nose at the enemy is just to say, just watch me, you know, in the middle of all this when everything's, um, everything's arrayed against us and it looks like, you know, God is asleep on his watch in a sense. Just watch me worship him anyway. And I remember, you know, even in our house, actually, you know, quite at the end of ourselves, but just turning the music up and I closed the curtains because I wanted to just really belt it out, you know. But, yeah. but, um, but, you know, it's just like, okay, watch me when I feel like my heart is absolutely breaking and I can't take the stress of this any longer. Watch me belt out my love for Jesus and declare and just sing out why he's worthy anyway. You know, I mean, you remember that time, eh, Jeff? And I think we really had to dig deep, but one of the ways we dug deep was in worship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, I, you know, it brings me to Philippians. You know, the book of Philippians says, one day every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. And I'm just like, well, why not now? Why not today? You know, why not today in the middle of all this? What if I lift up the name of Jesus and extol him if I crown him Lord of all and at the name of Jesus right now, you know, I, I speak out his name and in that context, depression has to bow or conflict has to bow, insecurity has to bow, the whole mess can jolly well bow down to him yeah, right now, powerful. you know, that's, that's, and, that's and so in a powerful, way let's yeah. hasten that day, yeah. You know, and on the last podcast, we were talking about declarations and we talked about how um, inanimate objects, you know, like the walls, you know, the environment we're in can testify to the evil that has been done in a place. And we talked about how to clean that history up. But the thing is, inanimate objects also testify to the wonderful works of God. They, they testify to his glory. And Jesus said, well, if we won't worship him, they will. The stones will cry out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just really powerful to, in those moments where, I guess it, it doesn't make any well, sense to the We need to play our part. We, we play our part. Our, yeah. We join in and we choose to worship when it's actually really tough. Yeah, that's great. And I know worship can release our destinies too, can't it? Yeah, I often think of that story in Second Kings, and it's it's about a company of prophets, and they're coming down from a place of worship. So they've been worshiping together, but they're still worshiping as they travel, and they're kind of carrying the whole atmosphere of heaven with them. You know, they're playing their harps and lyres, and and they meet Saul, and Saul has been freshly anointed, and he comes across these people, and as the minute he connects with those worshippers, something in him is unlocked. In fact, the Bible says, you know, when you meet those people who are worshipping, you will be changed into a new person, and then whatever you find to do, just go ahead and do it, because God is with you. And then he kind of joins in and becomes a worshipper with them all. I find that quite powerful in terms of a man who is already anointed for what he's meant to do, but still connecting with worshippers and joining in with with that spirit of worship, with that act of worship, actually frees up his gifting. And it's the same with Elisha, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. And that story about Elisha, God's just placed him in the army. He's in the march with everybody else, and he probably doesn't really know why he's there. But all of a sudden, he's called out by the king, and the king's going, okay, we want to hear from the, hear the voice of the Lord. And, and I, I can kind of perceive through the white space that I can oh my goodness, I'm not ready for this. And he calls for a harp. He calls for music. He calls for something that's just going to help him and raise his heart and bring him into the presence of God and bring him into that posture of worship. And in that place, in that place of worship, Elisha hears from the Lord and he, and he, and he speaks that out and it, and it really is breakthrough. 
Yeah, so even though he was a seasoned prophet. Yeah, so good that he, uh, even he, he needed that. Even he <laughs> needed someone to bring me a harp and suddenly I can get some fresh revelation. You know, I, I, we're, we're part of a writer's group here in Wellington at the moment. And, you know, I know one lady there, She, you know, she's an amazing writer and she devotes hours every day to her writing. She always plays worship music just through her headphones as she writes. And she says, you know, in a way, there's just something about that atmosphere of worship that unlocks creativity in her and some amazing novels have flowed through her yeah and I mean I remember this lady in Turkey a lovely old lady she'd only been there a few weeks and her husband died so it was all quite tragic really and on top of that she found the language incredibly challenging and you know in a place where there's very little you can do physically to welcome Jesus in there this woman actually just devoted a few hours every day to worship and everything changed didn't it Jeff? It was amazing to meet her and she was always bubbling over with joy and her life was just cycles of worship and then go and love the people. Worship, and then go and love the people. And the people were responding. What we're trying to say here is worship is the natural conclusion of the gospel, of what God's done for us. You know, the worship flows, and it's it's a great cycle there, eh? And it just starts out with a small group way back in the book of Acts, and soon, soon the worship of Jesus is spread across the whole entire world. It's still spreading today. And over the years, this is this growing crowd of saints around the throne. And they just worship. And people from every tribe and language and people group until eventually we'll get to the, that place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to Jesus and just say, you are worthy. Do you know, as we come to a close today, I think it's really important to, to realise that we can actually be pretty good at talking about God. But, you know, how many of us talk about why we love him? I often think, you know, those angels around the throne, they say, you are great. They're declaring his attributes, but then they go on to say, and you've redeemed us. You know, you've done something personal for us. We love you because there's a personal component. And um, I know even when we come to study the Bible, which we love to do, you know, we've, we've really decided worship is the goal. So, for example, when we teach our children, Children, you know, okay, we're going to read the word. This is how we do it. We we give them four little keys. We say pray, read, think, worship. You know, start off by saying, Lord, I'm listening. You know, here's your word. Then read it. Just read the passage and then take some time to think, you know, go, God, what do you want to highlight to me? What are you saying to me today? What am, what am I learning here? But then we always want to end with worship. How can I take what I've learned and turn it back to you in worship? Maybe you could write a poem or I could turn it into a song. Or maybe I need to live out what I've just been encouraged to do as our kind of offering back to God, an offering that looks a lot to him like worship. Yeah, it's very personal. Uh, When it says we're offering up ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, it's really in our worship is this personal expression of who we are. Maybe we're creative in a certain way, whether it's music or art. He doesn't want to see us worshipping in, in some set way that everyone else lays on us. He wants us to be ourselves in his presence and give ourselves over to his worship in our own way. That's giving ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Yeah, it's amazing, Jeff, isn't it, to think that as we engage more in the heavenlies, we actually make room for Jesus in our life back here and in the world around us. It's sort of as if, as if the more we press into him and all that is his, the more he presses into everything that's in our space. Yeah, yeah that's right. As, as I worship and, and, and we're apparently so distracted, Jesus is enthroned in my life and engaging with the landscape of, of my day-to-day life. We are in Christ. He is in the heavenlies. Our life is hid with Christ in God, right? 
but he is taking his place in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Our worship is our work and our worship is our warfare. And, you know, there are people who give a really large part of their day to worship. And interestingly, it's it's usually in the, their communities that you see the most evident transformation. I don't think it's an, over, an overstatement to say that worship actually shifts the atmosphere. It drives back the devil. Our hearts get opened to receive fresh revelation and guidance and perspective. Our worship enthrones Jesus so he gets to have his way. And essentially, Jeff, worship is what we were made for, isn't it? When we worship, we live out our highest calling. Yeah, that's right. 